If you have your Bibles, please open them with me to Acts chapter 1. That is not a mistake. Acts chapter 1. On Sunday, January the 1st, 2023, we began a brand new series in the book of Acts. That message on Sunday, January the 1st, was entitled The Promise and the Power. And it looked at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. One of those promises that God makes to the early church in the Bible is found in verse 8. If you would please look in your Bibles just at verse 8. This is what Jesus says before his ascension to the apostles, to the disciples who were with him. Verse 8, he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of Of the earth. To be a witness for Christ meant that the apostles would testify about Jesus. They would testify about the Messiah, about his birth, his life, his death, and his ultimate resurrection. But it also hints at something just a little deeper. To be a witness for Christ means that you make what is unseen seen, what is invisible manifested. And so, in other words, what Jesus said to the disciples was this You will testify about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you will make me seen in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And from Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 28, we have seen that occur. The span of time between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 28 is roughly 30 years. It began at the ascension of Christ, and it ends roughly 30 years later with the first imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. Over the last 11 months, we have seen theological concepts from the book of Acts. We've seen the the dissension and the baptism and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We've seen the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We've seen the gospel advance to the uh, glory of God. We have seen much in the book of Acts. And in all of that, we have seen how the Lord built His church through the, the literal blood and tears of the saints. And I I confess to you this morning that I I did not realize how much blood and how many tears are in the book of Acts until I preached through it. It is a glorious book, but it is one filled with sadness, with suffering, with persecution. 2,000 years ago, the church, capital C, the church was born. God's people were empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit, and they were His witnesses testifying to the good news of Jesus testifying about the Messiah. We've seen the gospel advance. We've seen the gospel go quite literally from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 2,000 years ago, the church, capital C, was born. On November 17th, 1840, FBC Moberly was born. Which means that if my math is correct, as of today, we are, as a church, we are 183 years old One week and five days. 183 years ago, FBC Moberly was born. Do you ever wonder how many lives have been impacted because of the ministry of the saints at FBC Moberly over the course of the last 183 years? How many people will we see in heaven who said, I went to church there? How many people have have been saved because of the ministries of the people at FBC Moberly. As we finish the book of Acts, I 
my mind naturally wonders how the Lord will use this church in the future, how the Lord will use FBC Moberly in the days ahead. How many more people will be impacted because of the faithfulness of the saints who gather at 514 West Rollins in Moberly, Missouri? The truth is, the Lord has used this church in mighty, incredible ways, and we pray that God continues to bring himself glory through the ministry here. But understand this, were it not for the events that occur in the book of Acts, there would be no First Baptist Church Moberly. Were it not for the gospel advancing from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, that's who we are. We are the ends of the earth. Because of the events in the book of Acts, we have a home in Moberly, Missouri at 514 West Rollins. And it all began with a promise. A promise that God makes in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And praise be to God. He kept that promise. Today we're going to bring this sermon series to a close uh, by looking at the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28. And what we're going to see today is two ways that God kept his promise from Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to flip with them to Acts chapter 28 verses 16 through 31. And if you're able, let me invite you to stand as we read God's word together. Reading from the Christian Standard Bible, Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me, since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak with you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And then they said to him, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we do want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. Verse 23. After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening, but never understanding. And you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house 
and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this chance to conclude the book of Acts. Uh, Father, I do pray that as I preach, you would have your way here this morning. I pray you would save the lost, edify the saints, and glorify yourself. And we pray this in the strong, saving name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So how does that passage that we just read show us that God kept his promise from Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Well, first, we see that Jesus was faithfully proclaimed to the Jews around the world. In Matthew 15, 24, Jesus says this, I am sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Romans 1.16, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then also to the Greek. In order for the gospel to advance among the Jews, the gospel had to be proclaimed to the Jews. And as we've seen over the last 11 months, when Paul would enter a city, his practice was to always go to the Jewish temple first. He would always begin with the Jews when he shared the gospel. So in one sense, it makes, it makes complete sense that as Paul arrived in Rome, he would begin sharing the gospel with the Jews. The difference is, Paul could not go to the temple. Why not? Because he was arrested. He was under chains. And so what does he do? He calls a meeting and says, will y'all come and see me? That's what happens between verses 16 and 22. And then look at what he does, beginning in verse 23. When all the Jews show up, look in your Bibles at verse 23. I want you to see this with your eyes. Verse 23, the Bible says, After arranging a day with them, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Paul pulls the Jews together and he's using their own book, the law of Moses and the prophets. He's using the Old Testament to tell them to expound to them and testify about the kingdom of God. He did his best to persuade them about who Jesus is using the Old Testament, using the law of Moses and the prophets. He used the Old Testament stories to share the New Testament gospel of who the Messiah is with the Jews from around the world. And that makes complete sense when you remember that there are, conservatively speaking, at least 300 Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime. A prophecy is is sort of like a a prediction. Predictions made and then kept. The difference between a prophecy and a prediction is that if we make a prediction, I predict the Chiefs are going to win today by a whole lot of points. And all God's people said, that's my prediction. Now, I hope I'm right, but I could be wrong. Here's the difference between a prophecy and a prediction. God knows the future. And so when God says something in the Old Testament, it will come to pass. When God makes a prophecy in the New Testament, it will come to pass. There were 300 prophecies about the Messiah. For example, Micah 5.2 says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And we'll spend the next month looking at that story, the fulfillment of that in Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2. 
That's a, a prophecy about the Messiah, a prediction about the Messiah that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And help me remember, conservatively speaking, there are how many prophecies about Jesus? 300. There are 300 messianic prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. Now, if we just took eight, just eight of those 300 prophecies, the odds of one man fulfilling just eight of those messianic prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. One in 10 to the 17th power. I don't even know what that number is. Elliot, do you know what that number is? Big. That's what the number is. That is a big number. Now, just to help you understand this, if I had 10 slips of paper and I put them all in a box and I marked one of those slips of paper with the word FBC Moberly, the odds of you finding that one slip of paper on the very first try, sticking your hand into the box and pulling out this slip of paper would be one in 10. The odds of one man fulfilling just eight of the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament is one in 10 to the 17th power. We can't fathom the odds. We can't fathom the likelihood of that number. It is too big. We can't fathom it, but one mathematician has helped us fathom this by using an illustration. He says if you took silver dollars and you had enough silver dollars that you could cover the entire state of Texas two foot deep, two foot deep over the entire state of Texas and you marked just one of those silver dollars and then you blindfolded someone and said, okay, you've got one shot. You walk anywhere you want to walk in the state of Texas. You go up to any one of those piles that covers the state of Texas and you find the exact coin that has been marked with an X. That's the odds of one man fulfilling just eight messianic prophecies. In other words, you would be a fool to walk away from the truth about Jesus the Messiah. You would be a fool not to believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. Now imagine, imagine the Apostle Paul in Acts 28, he's got the Jews in a room with him and he's telling them about this Messiah, telling them about Jesus. Imagine he shares with them, I'm just going to pick eight random, uh, eight random prophecies. Imagine that he shares with the Jews that Jesus was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem, and he was. That he was prophesied to be born of a virgin, and he was. That he was prophesied to be born in the lineage of David, and he was. That's three prophecies. Imagine that Paul shares with him that the Messiah would heal the blind, the sick, and the lame, and Jesus does. Imagine that Jesus, or that the Old Testament uh, prophesies that, that Jesus would be ultimately be crucified, and he was. That's five prophecies. Imagine that the Old Testament prophesies that not a single bone of his would be broken at the crucifixion, and that happened. That's six prophecies. Imagine that the Bible even talks about the biblical scene of the, the crucifixion of the Messiah, that the, the soldiers would cast lots for his clothes. They prophesied that hundreds of years earlier, and it happened. That's seven. And imagine the Messiah says that the, the Messiah would resurrect from the dead, and he does. That's eight. Imagine Paul sharing those eight prophecies about Jesus to the Jews in Rome. And imagine that as he does, they scoff. They say, you're a fool, Paul. You're crazy, Paul. 
Jesus is not the Messiah. Paul's out of his mind. He's insane. So imagine Paul hears this, and guess what he does next? Well, look in your Bible. Verse 23, he continues teaching them. My Bible says from dawn to dusk. Now, even in Missouri, on no, in, in the end of November, dawn to dusk is what? At least four hours. That's what it feels like, isn't it? Dawn to dusk, is a, that's a lot of time to be proclaiming the Messiah, using the Old Testament, showing how Christ fulfilled those prophecies. Paul provided ample evidence for the Jews and Rome to believe. But look in your Bible, verse 24. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. So what does Paul do next? Well, according to verse 25 through 27, he quotes Isaiah 6, 9. And he effectively tells them that they're just like their ancestors who reject God by rejecting God's Messiah. He says to them, he says to them, you will always be listening, but never understanding. Always be looking, but never perceiving. He tells them, your hearts are calloused. Your ears are hard of hearing and you've closed your eyes. And then he says, otherwise you would turn to God and he would heal you. He would save you. So then look at what Paul says, verse 28. I love, I love this. He says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And then what does your Bible say right after that? They will listen. They will hear it. Let it be known to you that this gospel is sent to the Gentiles. They will hear it. And with that, with that, the Jews walked away. But God, my friends, God was faithful to keep his promise because Jesus was proclaimed to the Jews around the world, to the ends of the earth. Secondly, Jesus was faithfully proclaimed to the Gentiles around the world to the end of the earth. Look in your Bible, verse 30 and 31. The Bible says Paul stayed. How long did he stay there? Somebody remind me. Two whole years in his own rented house. And he welcomed all who visited him, verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul sat in a Roman prison. I know it says his own rented house, but that was a prison. He was chained to a guard. He sat there for two full years. And I believe those two years were some of the most productive years of Paul's ministry. Sitting in a house, chained to a guard, welcoming all who visited him. In those two years, Paul wrote what is commonly referred to as the the prison epistles. You know them better by the names of uh, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. In those two years, Paul ministered to the church. Paul ministered to the people of God. And I want you to see what, what Paul did in Philippians chapter 1. Let me ch- share with you what Paul said he did in Philippians chapter 1. While he's in prison in Rome, he writes this to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 verses 12, he says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard And to everyone else, that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word 
fearlessly. The whole guard, the whole imperial guard and everyone else, anyone who came into contact with Paul while he was in that Roman prison for two years, they heard the gospel. And take a look at the final verse in this magnificent book called Acts. The final verse. The Bible says this. This is how the book of Acts concludes. That Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. He did that with all boldness and without hindrance. And just like that, the book of Acts concludes. 30 years of ministry. 30 years of gospel advancement. Just concludes on kind of a cliffhanger, I guess you could call it. Like what, what happened after those two years? Why does Luke end it here? Why not tell us what happened to Paul? Why does he end it by, 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 by saying that Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance? Why, why end it there? Well, I think there are many theories on why, why it ends here, but I think this is the simplest theory. I think the book of Acts begins with a promise that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It begins with a promise that the gospel will be advanced to the ends of the earth. And it concludes, the book of Acts concludes with evidence that God is a God who keeps His promises. That's what verse 31 is, is saying. That Paul proclaimed the kingdom and taught everyone he came into contact with about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, and without hindrance to everyone he met, Jew or Gentile, at the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts concludes right there. But the promise of God continues to this day. In many ways, the book of Acts never ends. The job is never finished, not until the Lord returns. God's people are still being sent by God to be faithful and to share the gospel to fulfill the promise made in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so as we bring this series, this 11-month series, through the book of Acts, as we bring it to a close, it is good and right that we walk away from this book understanding three things about our great God. Number one, God is a God who keeps His promises. Amen. He kept His promise in the Old Testament. He kept His promise in the New Testament. He will keep His promise today. And one of the promises that God has made is that Jesus is coming back. He will keep His promises. Number one, God is a God who keeps His promises. Number two, God is a God who saves. His heart is to save. 2,000 years ago, Christ the Messiah was born. And He lived a sinless life. And then He ultimately died a sinner's death. But that wasn't the end of the story. Praise be to God that three days later he rose victorious from the grave. And when he did, he gave us the right. Listen to me. He gave you the right to be called a child of God. You can call him father. He is your father. All because of his finished work at the cross. If we repent of our sins and trust in the Lord. The same gospel message that Paul is proclaiming in the book of Acts, to conclude the book of Acts, the same gospel message 
that he proclaims is the same gospel message that I proclaim to you today. Repent and be saved by the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The book of Acts begins with the promise as the, the book, uh, the, the gospel reached the, the, the uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. The gospel went out to the ends of the earth 2,000 years ago. The church, capital C, was born. The gospel reached Rome. And now looking backwards, 1,800 years after that moment, 1,800 years after the moment that the church was born, that same gospel reached a little piece of land in the middle of a place called Missouri. And there believers came together and assembled and would eventually call themselves First Baptist Church Moberly. Same gospel. The same gospel I proclaim to you is the same gospel that Benjamin Terrell, our first pastor, 183 years ago today, it's the same gospel he proclaimed. The same gospel that I proclaim to you today is the same gospel that Paul proclaimed in the Roman prison. It's the same gospel. And we proclaim that because it's the heart of God to save the lost. God is a God who keeps his promises. Secondly, God is a God who saves. And the third thing I want you to walk away from after we finish the book of Acts is this. God is a God who sins. God is a God who sins, S-E-N-D-S, sins, not sins, S-I-N-S. God is a God who sins. It is right and good for us to conclude this series right where we begin, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. God was faithful to save, he was faithful to send. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. FBC Moberly, those listening at home, on the radio, in the building, this is God's command to you, God's promise to you. You will be my witness. You will testify about the Lord Jesus. You will make him known. So the question, the question that I want you to wrestle with is this, where is the Lord sending you? He hasn't stopped sending. He is still sending. Where is he sending you? Is it to your family? To your neighbor? To your boss? Maybe he's sending you to plant a church somewhere. Is he sending you to the nations to share the gospel with the lost in places like Myanmar and Mexico? Where is he sending you? Here's my challenge. Ask him. Lord, where are you sending me? Ask him. He'll tell you. He's not hiding his will from you. He wants you to know. Ask him where he's sending you and then be resolved to follow him wherever he leads. That old hymn, wherever he leads, I'll go. You say that to the Lord. Wherever you lead, I will go. And to God, to our God, who saves, who sins, and who keeps his promises. To him be the glory alone. And all God's people said, Amen.